You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. have enemies and we have the promises of God. We have this tremendous declaration of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We who were once corrupt, we who were once unclean, we've been made clean and we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We are now viewed of by God through Jesus Christ as holy and perfect. Holy, perfect, a royal priesthood, a holy nation strange, peculiar people. Do you feel blessed as a follower of Jesus? Well, in today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that your Heavenly Father is a good and loving Father who wants to bless His children abundantly. God wants to bless you so much that there are 75 plus promises of blessing throughout the Bible for you as a believer. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 8. As he continues his message, the restoration begins. We should take note of this today because in Matthew 28, they call it the Great Commission. We've been given the authority to go forth and preach the gospel and make disciples. We've been given that. We've been given that. We've been given that. We're to bear witness of Jesus Christ in all the earth. We're to love others while taking the gospel to the world. But we too, as a church, have lost territory. Hold on, stay with me. We've lost territory as a church. We've lost ground to the pro-abortionists. We've lost ground ground to the anti-prayer movement. We've lost ground to the anti-Christian movement. We've lost ground to the drug war, the alcohol war. We've lost ground as a church. We've sat in silence as millions upon millions upon millions of babies are killed. Yearly, the church has sat basically in silence. These movements have gained power. We've allowed them to throw the Bible and prayer out of school without any to-do. The church never stood up and yelled and screamed and hollered. We need David and his mighty men. We need to be David and his mighty men who step out in faith and reclaim the territory that the evil one took. We need to step out in faith and reclaim that territory. The church has been silent way too long. And remember, if you feel like I'm pointing a finger at you, there's three pointing back at me. I'm just as guilty as the next one. I'm saying the church is a whole. It's almost, folks, it's almost to the scary point. It's almost to the point where we're back in the late 30s and early 40s where the church of Germany and thousands upon thousands and millions of Jews are being killed. It's the same thing that happened back then. Bonhoeffer, I think, was the only one that stood up against them. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, read some of his stuff. Wow, he's got some great stuff. We've got to reclaim this territory for God. We've got to reclaim this territory. What's interesting about chapter 8 is that in chapter 8, David covers all four corners of 
the land. In the west, he takes out the dreaded Philistines. In the east, he takes out the Moabites. In the north, the Armenians and the Syrians. And in the south, he takes out the Edomites. He takes all the four corners. So let's look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 in chapter 8. After this, after David's beautiful time with the Lord, and the Lord raised him up. Now, those are some. Some believe that this actually happened between chapter 6 and 7. Some believe that this, this happened between chapter 6 and 7. And if you're a Bible student, you know that the Bible isn't always chronological. It's not always chronological. So I don't know. It here it says, after this. It came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them, and David took Metheg Amah from the hand of the Philistines. The dreaded Philistines, Israel's traditional enemy. Metheg Amah is another name for the city Gath, the capital. Remember, David lived there. David was in Gath several times. It actually means to bridle of the mother city. And to take this city actually meant to take the bridle, which means gain control and put them in submission. David wiped out the Philistines. If you look at that, he wiped out the Philistines. Let's go to verse 2. Then he defeated Moab. Forcing them down to the ground, he measured them off with a line. And with two lines, he measured off those to be put to death and one full line to those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and bought tribute. The Moabites. The Moabites came out of an illicit affair that Lot had with his daughters after getting drunk. You can find that. I think it's in 19 of Genesis. That's where the Moabites came from. And they're actually related to the Jews. What's interesting here is David was related to a Moabite. Who was it? Ruth. Yeah, it was his great-grandma. Great-grandmother was Ruth, the Moabitess. If you remember in 1 Samuel 22, when David was in exile, he took his mom and dad to the Moabites and allowed them to take care of his mom and dad while he was in exile. And it is believed that at that time or sometime after that, the Moabites killed his mom and dad. So David took revenge on these people. He took great revenge on these people and the Moabites... It, it, they're the ones that hired Balaam, the prophet, to curse Israel. And they're the ones that seduced the men of Israel. You can find that in Numbers 22. And because they did this, the Lord basically declared war on the Moabites. Instead of slaughtering their armies, David kills every third soldier. Imagine standing in that line. Let's go a little further. 3 through 13. David also defeated Hadadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. David took with him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except he spared enough for them for 100 chariots. Okay, that's four. I'll stop there. Let's go five. 
When the Syrians and Damascus and, and, and of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. You can see that as David was sacking these countries, he was gathering things, gold and silver and trinkets for what? The temple. He was going to gather the stuff to build the temple. Remember, God said he couldn't build the temple, but David was gathering the things so he could build the temple. Also from Betha and from Berothai, cities of Hadezer, King David took a large amount of bronze. Then Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the army of Hadadezer. Then Toy sent Joram, his son, King David, to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had been at war with Toy, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, articles of bronze. In other words, he's coming to pay tribute to David so David doesn't attack them. He wants to make a pact with him. King David also dedicated these to the Lord. Everything David gets, he dedicates and gives back to the Lord. Everything David receives, he's giving back to the Lord. So not only is the Lord winning battles for him, but David is turning around and giving everything back to the Lord. He is re-blessing the Lord with all this stuff. Where am I? Verse 12, from all this stuff, and um, he dedicated all the nations which he subdued from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer to the son of Rahab, king of Zobah. Then, and David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Sot. So you can see when it says David made himself a name, you can see where some people think that this belongs between chapter 6 and 7 because in chapter 8 or chapter 7, God told David that he made a name for him that was recognized all over the whole world. So, so we have the west, the east, and the north, and now we have the south, the Edomites. The Edomites are the descendants of who? Esau. Descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. The Edomites are descendants of Esau. And he claimed these victories in the name of the Lord. He gave all the glory and honor and credit to the Lord. In fact, what's really cool is David writes a psalm about this. He writes a psalm about this in Psalm 60. And in Psalm 60... Specifically, turn to Psalm 60, verse 8. Listen to what he says. Moab is my wash pot. Over Edom I will cast my shoe. Philistia shout in triumph because of me. Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, God, who cast us off? And you, God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall, not tread, who shall tread down our enemies. He calls out. David says, I'm going to wash my feet with, with, with these guys, with Moab. They're my wash pot. I'll take these people who've defiled you, and I'm using them as a cleaning agent. They become 409. It's only cleaning agent you can think of. I can think of fa fantastic or something like that. I don't know. But they became his cleaning agent. He's going to polish his shoes with these guys. You defiled them, he says. You defiled my God. I'll take the land and I'll use it for the glory of the Lord. He says over Edom, I'm going to cast out my shoe. These people had already, they were ready to sacrifice anything. Remember, what did Esau give up? 
everything. What did he give up? His birthright, correct? And then Jacob beat him out of the blessing. He let Jacob beat him out of the blessing. So these guys are ready to sacrifice anything. And, but the emptying of your shoe over the head was another thing for claiming them as slaves. Philistia, I will triumph over you. Well, he certainly did that. David hated the dreaded Philistines ever since Goliath. Ever since Goliath. What's important for us to see is that David, God's anointed, occupied the whole territory which God promised. He took all the power out of the enemy's hands and he used it for the Lord's service. We have an enemy, an enemy who comes against us all the time. We are victorious over that enemy if we abide in Christ because Christ was victorious on a cross. And we are victorious with him. With him we are victorious. We are victorious with him. In the, the, finishing out the chapter, which just talks about David's administration, and I don't like to leave anything unread, but there's a bunch of names here that'll give me trouble. In 15, so David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. Joab, he's still with them, the son of Zeruah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Elihud, was the recorder. Zadok, the son of Anatub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abathar, were priests. Shariah was the scribe. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over both those guys and the other guys. And David's sons were the chief ministers. You like that? God had done this huge and mighty work through David. He had used David to defeat the enemies of Israel. God used David in a most spectacular way here. David knew that God had done the work. David turns around and gives God all glory, gives him all honor and all credit for doing everything that he did, he accomplished. If you're doing something for God, give him the glory. Give him the honor. Give him the accolades that do his name. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for saving this person, saving that person. Thank you, Jesus, for using me to help the helpless, to help the sick, to do this. Whatever it is God has you doing, turn around and give him credit. Give it back to him. Give it back to him, and he will continue to use you. David trusted in the promises of God. He believed in them, and then he claimed them for his own. Remember how he prayed last week? He prayed, these are your promises. You said you were going to make me a king. You did. You said you're going to make my seed through all generations. Now do it. David accepted the promises of God. We need to accept God's promises in our lives. We have enemies. And we have the promises of God. We have this tremendous declaration of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We who were once corrupt. We who were once unclean. We've been made clean and we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We are now viewed of by God through Jesus Christ as holy and perfect. Holy, perfect. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A strange, peculiar people. But God looks at us with love. We were once in darkness, but now we are in the light of Jesus Christ. We were once idolaters, and we depended on nothing but materialism. But in the flesh, and when we yielded, we cried for more. We never got enough to satisfy our crest. But now, 
But now because of Jesus Christ and because now we stand in Jesus Christ, we are one with him, one with the Father through the Holy Spirit. We can claim Romans 8:37 in all things we are more than conquerors in him that loved us. Did you hear one word about me, 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 me? No. No, it's all about him, him, him. The Lord won the victory on the cross. The victory is ours. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has power over us. Sin no longer has power over us. Have you experienced this in your life? Do you realize that your weaknesses, your deficiency, your failures, your sins, when you hand them over to the Lord, He turns around and uses them as blessing. He turns around and uses them. The Lord doesn't crush us, although we deserve to be crushed. He takes hold of our weaknesses in our lives. He snatched them out of the hand of the enemy and he used them to, for his own needs, just like David did to Israel's enemies. Who better an example than the Apostle Paul? Who better an example than the Apostle Paul? A Pharisee of the Pharisee, taught under the great Gamaliel. A Jew of Jews, circumcised on the eighth day. He hated Christians. He thought they were a sect that he wanted them destroyed, wanted them completely gone. He was bitter. He was jealous of this new group because they were claiming to have a relationship with God that he didn't have. And he was jealous of them. He was determined to kill every Christian he could get his hands on. But the Lord had a slightly different plan. The Lord had a slightly different plan. The Lord met him on the road when he was going to Damascus with a decree in his hand that would allow him to pull Christians out of the synagogue and take them back to Jerusalem and have them killed. He had that decree in his hand. But the Lord met him on Damascus Road, and the Lord took that bitterness away from him. The Lord took that jealousy away from him. The Lord took that anger away from him. The Lord transformed and then uses all those things to the Lord's advantage. The Lord filled Paul with his Holy Spirit, and he became filled with compassion for others in Jesus' name. He's a perfect example, a perfect example for us, a perfect example. He can do the same for you. He can do exactly the same for you when we submit to the Lord's will, when we submit to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God will take hold of your weaknesses. God will take hold of them, and by the working of the Holy Spirit, he will transform them into power. And then he will make your weaknesses serve you for his purposes. We serve an awesome and great God. As we look at the scope of David's victories, you ask yourself, how complete is the victory in your life? How complete is the victory in your life? Because I got news for you. The victory was complete on the cross. The victory was complete on the cross. If you're struggling with the victory You're struggling needlessly, for the victory has been won. It was decided and determined on the cross. And what we need to do is rest in the work Jesus accomplished on the cross. We need to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit and let God do a mighty work. We need to be like David and not settle for anything less than possessing everything God has for us. We need to take God's promises into our lives and claim them for our own in Christ Jesus. We need to step out of faith and allow God to use us mightily. God wants to use us. He wants to use us to 
take the word of God to the world, to take his son to the world and show them Jesus. Step out in faith and allow God to use you. Step out and enjoy the abundant life. I told you that I went through and did a study and looked at all kinds of things, internet sites, all these kind of things, and I came up with 75 blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. 75. Here they are. 75 of them. 75 blessings. So you have homework. And your homework is to go through this list of blessings and read them. Look at the scriptures that's attached to them. Every one of them comes from a scripture. Read them. Look at them. And I challenge you, find more and add them to this list. Find more and add I don't think this list is exhaustive. I don't think this list is exhaustive at all. But I found 75. Find some. Write them down. These are beautiful scriptures that you go through and you're going to be amazed at what God has done for you. In fact, the name of this is, Who am I, Lord, that you would bless me so? These promises are yes and amen in him. Outside of him, no promises. No promises. But in him, all the promises, he is able to do exceedingly above all Exceedingly abundantly, right? I saw your lips move. Exceedingly abundantly, right? Above all that we could ever think or ask. Thanks for the help. Come on. We should be tap dancing every day of our lives. We should be praising him every day of our lives. We should be giddy in his love. Thank you. That's how we should be. We shouldn't be lemon-sucking Christians. We shouldn't be Eeyore. Oh, Brad's good. Yeah. He's a great, great God. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. That's not what our life is. That's not what the abundant life is. God has given us so much. He wants you to be joyous and happy. Hey, trust me. Trust me. There's no minimizing of problems here. There's no minimizing of things that befall us. There's no minimizing of that. We hurt sometimes. There's hurt in this world. This world is a nasty, horrible place. And we hurt sometimes. People hurt us. Churches hurt us. There's hurt. There's pain. There's death. There's destruction. We can get hurt. I'm not minimizing that at all. got to be a joy in your heart. There's got to be a joy in your heart. And in the midst of the hurt and in the midst of the pain, there's got to be a time when you go, yes, Lord, praise you. What did the scripture say? We just studied it in Freedom Through Christ. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things. What's the end of it? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You want to do God's will? Right there. Three little, three little verses. Right there. We have so much to be thankful for, ladies and gentlemen. So much to be blessed for. So much without minimizing our trials and tribulations because we were going to have them. You're either coming out of a trial and tribulation or you're going into one. It's just the way it is. God's love will carry you through. These blessings will get you to get out of bed tomorrow and do what God has called you to do. Remember that. Be a David. Don't be content where you are. You are a sure.
Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.